Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta with you guys as always. Today we welcome on a special guest, the guy who was calling from the game for ESPN the other day on ACC Network. It is Matt Chick who's stopping by with us to talk a little bit about the Tar Heel Spring Game. First of all, Matt, how you doing, man? Uh, I know uh, it's definitely been a crazy year uh, and a half. Uh, definitely a, a different year of college football that you just went through. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about what that experience was like going through a 2020 season that was unlike any that we've ever seen before. No, I appreciate you having me on. It's um, it, I'm just glad we're getting back to normal. Um, it's certainly long overdue, but uh, it's going to be great to see the, stand, the stands full again. We got a minor, minor glimpse of that at Keenan during the spring game. But, yeah, it was it, it was crazy. There was a part of you that wondered, okay, should we be playing? And you only asked that because there's no one in some of these stands. That was different in ACC country and SEC country for sure. But and the Big Ten had nobody. The Pac-12 had nobody. And it just – it just felt weird. It just it just didn't feel right. And you realize just how important the the fanfare, the pomp and circumstance surrounding college football. You realize that without that, it doesn't feel like college football. And so, hopefully, we're getting back to that soon. And hopefully, we'll have full stadiums in the fall. And we we can forget 2020 ever happened. Well, yeah, and look, like you said, you know, Keenan Stadium sort of gave you guys a little bit of a peek at what that was going to be like. Um, I mean, the conditions clearly weren't the greatest, but, uh, you know, were you impressed by the turnout that they had for a spring game, something that, you know, in years past, let's just be honest here, North Carolina spring games haven't really been uh, a big-time event that people have wanted to uh, go out of their way to attend. Yeah, I was talking to Mac Brown uh, before the game when he said, yeah, some guys were – some fans he heard from people saying they were upset they couldn't get tickets, and he was glad. He was glad they were upset. And he basically said, hey, that's that's good. You're mad that you can't get in, but there will be more tickets in the fall. So, you know, that's um, – the 
fact that they were sold out um, his first year. Uh, obviously, couldn't be sold out in 2020. Well, technically, they were. I think they were sold out. They had 25 tickets, 25 fans in the stands last year. But, yeah, the spring game sells out in two hours. That says something. And so, yeah, would they have 10,000 there at the stadium? It's cool. It's cool to see, but they'll obviously have a lot more in the fall. Well, look, I mean, the main focus that everybody was looking at, even in the spring game where we knew he wasn't going to play a lot, was quarterback Sam Howell. You know, when you look at him, I heard you and, and your colleague uh, E.J. Manuel talking on air. You know, is this a guy that legitimately deserves the Heisman hype? And, and do you think he has a legitimate chance to be in that conversation at the end of the year to uh, represent uh, the Tar Heels in New York? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, I Sam's such an interesting guy because he doesn't – he's not a rah-rah, fanfare type of guy. He's almost like a Trevor Lawrence. <clears throat> you know, when you think about last year, Trevor wasn't really an out-in-front-of-the-camera, need need this, need that. He was more pretty reserved, uh, lead-by-example. And, and I think Sam Howell takes that even to another level where, you know, you ask him about the hype and the expectation and – uh, he prefaces by saying, hey, good question, but I'm just kind of, you know, just kind of take it day by day. Um, and the numbers he put up in this offense were remarkable in a year where, you know, there just wasn't a lot to celebrate, frankly. And he stood out last year. He stood out the last couple of years. And the fact that he was paired with Mac Brown – where you ride the excitement of that, you know, you nearly get the win over over Clemson in year one. You're you're kind of surging, and now he's riding this wave. Where you look at the quarterbacks in this for this year, I mean, there's no question that when you're thinking that he might be a number one pick, that he's got a shot at the Heisman. Now, here's the other thing about it too: if he can put up numbers that were similar to what he put up last year without the guys that he's not going to that he's going to miss at wide out and running back then that says all you need to know about Sam Howell so i think this is a this is a great opportunity for him to say hey it doesn't matter who you put out there i'm the most important piece on the field and i'll be a very important piece in the NFL well, you mentioned that he is going to lose a lot of guys around him. You know, what did you think of the group of guys that are trying to replace some of that production, of course, with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, who will probably hear their names called tonight, Deami Brown and Daz Newsom at wide receiver. But, it, you know, from, from watching, it looks like there are some solid options and some guys that are going to push to have some pretty big roles on this team this year. There are. Sometimes you just don't see them because you don't know them because there's just no room for them. I mean, look at on the defensive side, like even Eugene Asante. He could have he, he started last year, but mm-hmm. he's playing behind Chasseret. So you try and throw him in a, a nickel, and that, that's, not, that's not where he needs to be. So he's got he's to play behind guys. And then he gets an opportunity, and he's great. I think that's the same kind of thing with these North Carolina receivers and that there just wasn't a lot of room for them last year. So, you know, you start with a Bo Corrales who – has dealt with injuries, and he should be 100%. Mac Brown wanted to make sure that we showed him before the game, you know, warming up, knowing that he's, he's out there, he deserves recognition, and he'll be out there in the fall. Um, Antoine Green, another guy, right, that has dealt with injuries. He's going to be just fine. Emory Simmons, that catch against Notre Dame last year was incredible. And 
it, it was a Sports Center top ten play, and he only caught fifteen balls last year. So those opportunities are going to be there. Chaffrey Brown is going to get more opportunities. Um, Josh Downs, they didn't discover him, and without the opt outs, they wouldn't have discovered him. In the, they wouldn't have seen exactly what he can do in that bowl game. So what did he do? 75-yard touchdown, a couple of touchdowns in that game against A&M. And I think it was Phil Longo who said, we, we found Josh Downs in the Orange Bowl. And so there are guys that I think that the, maybe the whole is greater than the sum of the parts might, might qualify here as a, as a good statement for these wideouts. But at the same time, I think that's selling these guys short. Because I think there's there's plenty of talent to go around, and when you've got a quarterback like Sam Howell who can distribute the ball, uh, I think he's going to make everyone look better than maybe even they are. Well, you go over to the defensive side of the ball, and there are some expectations there for the first time in what seems like a while. Uh, and there's a lot of young talent there. Uh, of course, it starts up front. Mac Brown is really focused on that throughout, uh, you know, spring ball and, and in terms of his press conferences. But when you look at that group and what you saw the other day, do you think that this is a group that can take another step forward and, and, and can become one of those, you know, top-tier defenses in the ACC? Yeah, because getting there in the trenches, that's really where it's going to start. That's that's the difference between where North Carolina was with uh, taking out Notre Dame and Clemson and where they can be in the future, which is along the lines of scrimmage. They've got everyone coming back on the offensive line. It's your point about the defense. Um, you can see what Mack is doing in recruiting, where he gets a Des Evans, he gets a Keyshawn Silver, he gets a Javari Ritzy. He gets guys to build that depth guys that are elite-level talent, guys that will play in the NFL. And that's what you need to beat teams like Clemson in the ACC and make it to a college football playoff. So I think it's getting there. Um, I think, you know, they're probably another year away from having that side of it, from having that aspect of it line up a little bit closer with the elite-level teams. They might never catch in Alabama, right, but who will? But when you're looking at just winning your league, it's about catching Clemson. They're still a little ways off there in the trenches, but they're getting there. They're, they're really close. Um, so, you know, Miles Murphy is going to play in the NFL, right? There, there's just a lot of depth. Tamon Fox, if you, if you, you group that with leadership with a Tamon Fox, with a, a, a Jeremiah Gimmel. There are, there's going to be enough depth and bodies and able players, capable players, to make it happen. And then you go back to the back end where there's a lot of interchangeable parts with uh, with Conley and Chapman. And, I mean, go down the list. Trey Morrison has the experience. Um, freshmen that are contributing, and DeAndre Boykins and Dontavious Nash, who knows if they're going to contribute much this season. But the point being, they're shoring it up. They're getting, you know, Day-Day Hollins. They're getting guys that can play. And from front to back, it all starts at the front. But from front to back, they're getting there. And if I'm a North Carolina fan, I'm I'm nothing short of encouraged. It's just a matter of staying healthy, right? You can't have a storm duck, you know, miss out on important games. You, you need all hands on deck to, to be able to compete with the best teams in the country. 
For sure, for sure. I feel you on that one. Talking to Matt Chick, ESPN, ACC Network, Sirius XM Radio. Uh, Matt, you know, uh, w- one other thing that I wanted to ask you uh, about the Tar Heels before I get to a general question uh, about college football that kind of involves them. You know, when you look at this team, it feels like the area where most people have them in the preseason is somewhere between 7 and 12 in those preseason polls. Do you think that's kind of where this team should lie at this point with everything that we just kind of talked about? And do you ultimately think that this is a team that is going to be able to be in uh, some of those college football playoff conversations if enough things break their way? I do because let's start with your with the ranking question with North Carolina. Uh, this is a team last year that was within – a possession of, of the fifth-best team in the country uh, in the fourth quarter with about five, six minutes to go in Texas A&M. They were within a possession of Notre Dame in the fourth quarter, and they hammered a Miami team that was, at the time, a top-ten team. So they're they're getting there. They get lost against Florida State. Just chalk it up to a young team <laughs> learning to deal with the pass on the back that they were getting number five. So they finished the year top 15. Um, they are at least heading into the, the postseason they did. And you look at the rest of college football, that's probably about, you know, I think top 10 is probably maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I think that's right on the cusp. I'd probably put them between 10 and ten and 13 heading into the season, maybe 9 and 13. Um, but getting to that, and there's, I think their schedule is such that it allows them to be in the playoff discussion for much of the season as long as they get out of the gates with a win in Blacksburg. Because that, and Mac Brown even said, we're going to find out, you know, we're going to either prove people right or wrong really soon. And it's, you know, to open in Blacksburg, they, the success has been kind of hit or miss there. If they go on the road and win that game on that Friday night, then you're going to start flash forwarding to, hey, look, they don't even play Clemson in the regular season. And if they can go to Notre Dame and win that game on the 30th, then you're looking at a playoff contender. I think those discussions will probably be there till the end of October because I don't see them losing more than one game between the start of the season and then. And then, you know, if you're a even if you're a two-loss team and you go and, and somehow, you know, is somehow win your division, then you're still in that conversation. Look, Notre Dame proved you can lose to Clemson and still make the playoffs. You just got to be unblemished throughout. And so, I think, like I said, I think the conversations will be there. I think they're valid. But it's it's still another prove it because when you lose, you know, 4K worth of offensive production, you've got a lot of shoes to fill. For sure, for sure. So let's turn to the general college football question, which I think kind of involves a little bit of what we were just talking about in terms of where Carolina would factor in to uh, a playoff discussion. We've heard that there are pretty much at this point, it seems like it's imminent that college football is going to expand the playoff. Um, We've heard, you know, six, eight, 12, 15, whatever, all different types uh, of different scenarios, um, twelve seems to be the one that, uh, as of right now, they're saying is is potentially the one they would go with. Um, you know, when you look at at college football playoff expansion, what do you think is is the best number of of teams uh, when it comes to determining a national champion? Well, the number of teams to determine the best team is probably four. 
the number of teams required to have a true national playoff is at least eight. And uh, I would say eight, probably no more than 12. Um, I, I think there is, I've said this for years, that the, the problem with college football is that uh, half of the FBS is eliminated from national title consideration in the summer. And then the, the half of that rest of the half is done by the end of September. And then half of that half is done by November. And they just can't, you know, college football, please, fans still like going to games. Fans still will cheer for the teams. But you can't have, you know, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State winning 17 of the 21 college football playoff games that have been played. You just can't. Um, expansion has never been about crowning a different champ. It's about creating a more national playoff. And and I think that expanding it so that every region of the country is included, no matter how bad or good they are. It's like in the NCAA tournament. I know it's a different field. I know it's a different size. But every nook and cranny of the country is included in that tournament. And that's important. You need to keep fans engaged. And so, you know, these conference tournament, conference uh, championship games become very important in college football, um, at-larges and all that. So to, to sum it up, I would say I'm good with eight. I'm fine with 12. I think more than that is probably a little much to keep the integrity of the regular season. But my guess is they'll go to eight and they'll guarantee a spot for the highest-ranked group of five. You'll get a couple of at-larges, and you'll have every power five in there. And I think that's a great way to start. But I think the caveat to all of that is we need playoff games on campus at least one round. I want to expand the playoff to just have it be part of the bowl structure. If you want it to be about the players and the fans, then allow fans easier access to get to these games and reward teams up for their success with a home playoff game. I don't think that's too much to ask. You don't want to be exactly like the NFL, but there's a reason they're the king, and it's not a bad thing to emulate. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you on that for sure. I, I, I definitely think that they're going to look uh, – if they go with 12, they will probably look at it as a way to sort of reinvigorate the New Year's Six Bowl games. But I think you're right. I think some of the on-campus aspects uh, would definitely be pretty interesting. Hey, Matt, thanks for stopping by with us, man. You are one of the best. Uh, love talking to you. Always love talking to you. Uh, here on the radio station that I work at, uh, WFNZ in Charlotte. And so glad that you were able to swing by and talk to us a little bit here uh, about uh, a little more narrower of a topic uh, with the Tar Heels than uh, their spring game, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. We'll uh, we'll do it again. Hit me up uh, when we're actually playing some games, too, and uh, we'll uh, we'll make it happen. Hopefully we'll be talking about the uninterrupted seasons and uh, 12-game seasons and non-conference games and all those weird things we used to talk about in 2019. Yeah, it seems so far, so, so long ago. But, yeah, hopefully we will be able to do that. Thank you so much for stopping by with us, Matt, and we'll talk to you down the line, man, okay? All right. No problem. Anytime. All right. Thank you.